0: This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have a Q&A. Uh, This is gonna be about 45 minutes, so I'm gonna do a rapid fire style one. However, we do have about four or five questions that are like three paragraphs long. So I'm gonna try to summarize the questions and give as much detail as I can. And then we have about 15 questions that are like shortened to the punch. That were just comments left on the in the Facebook group, which, by the way, guys, if you are not in the private Facebook group, the B.B.P, so make sure when you search that, BBP is uh, abbreviated B.B.P. I should change that because people get confused and they end up trying to join the elite, um, which you should join the elite. There's a link for that in the show notes as well if you want the best programs online for the cheapest price you could possibly imagine. But the Boom Boom Performance Private Forum is a free group where a lot of individuals who listen to the podcast go. Um, the only thing I ask of you is A, be positive. B, help others grow as well. And C, you have to know a few things. So when you add yourself into the group, which there is a link for in the description of the show notes, um, that is the community. You got to know a couple things about me. So there's going to be a little bit of a quiz. And for the people who don't know much, you won't be able to answer the questions and that's your access into the group. That's how you get in. I had to have fun with this. So I decided to quiz people, but um, that's besides the point. We had a bunch of questions from there that were uh, kind of straight to the point and quicker, which will be fun. We'll kind of finish with those rapid-fire style ones. Um, Quick update, while you guys are listening to this, I am in Arizona, which is going to hopefully be, because I leave tomorrow while I'm recording this. But while you're listening to this, I am actually sitting over there um, in Scottsdale with a bunch of my friends, uh, Jason Phillips, Mike Milner, Sam Miller, Brad Jensen, uh, Jordan and Aaron, uh, Jordan Duggar, Aaron Diamond, uh, Travis McQueen, Tory Hunt, my my people. Um, gonna hang out with the Mind Pump guys. We're gonna see the Organifi crew. There's just gonna be so many cool people out there. I'm really excited to just hang out, network, speak in front of 100 plus people, which is gonna be nuts. Um, really, really grateful for this time that I'm going to be able to spend with everybody and just to be able to try to deliver some value Um, to some of you guys listening to this podcast. A lot of you guys listening to this podcast will be there as well, which will be really cool. I'll get to meet you. Um, And I just want to give this a shout out because I think it deserves a plug, first of all, because it's going to be an epic event. And second of all, because there's going to be many more of these. And I can tell you right now that I will be at and a part of almost all of these, if not every single one of them every year, um, because these are going to grow. I I can... Definitely tell you that because this one already has a lot of momentum and hype going into it. Um, So what I want you guys to do if you are coaches, if you are trainers, if you are part of this space or if you want to be a part of this space, keep in mind that the future of the Impact Collective is only going to grow. And I highly encourage everybody to attend these future events just because if you can get in a room with a bunch of individuals who are constantly positive and trying to grow – you are in the right place. And as a coach myself, I can honestly say that over the years, I have made um, a, a very, very big push and a very consistent effort to constantly surround myself with better individuals and people who want to grow and really just try to expand my network by attending these events and going to seminars, going to workshops, honestly, as often as possible because it's so unbelievably important for your growth. Um, So just a big shout out to everybody who's going to be there and a big shout out to all of you who are just watching. You should be at the next one. It is very, very important to network in this world we live in of social media and online presence, um, which I think is great because it allows us to online coach and reach more people and, and build a bigger audience and help more people around the world. I'm so thankful for it, but it's also important to have that in-person connection and meet people one-on-one. I'm even going to be able to get a workout in with some of my clients that I haven't even met before, which is going to be really cool. So um, I'm going to stop branding now. We're going to get on this Q&A, but just a big shout out to the Impact Collective. I'm super grateful to be a part of this, and I just want everybody to keep an eye out for the future ones because you should be there. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to this Q&A. All right. First question is a little bit of a longer one, so we're going to try to summarize this. But um, Laura Laura Danielle Fitness from Instagram said, I'm new to counting macros starting in the summer. have no idea what cows were before I started tracking. So she didn't know what her calories were before she started. I'm guessing they were too low as I'm eating a ton of food now after an eight-week cut in the summer. I went from 114 pounds down to 110 pounds. I ended my cut on 1,300 calories. I've been excuse me, reversing for nine weeks now and I've gotten my calories to 1750. 130 protein, 50 fat, 195 carb. Do not do not drink diet soda while you're recording a podcast, rule number one, um, or before you start recording a podcast because you got to burp. Um, I am 5'2 and the scale has gone down. I am now 108 109 when in my cycle, retaining water. I have noticed my NEAT is now pretty high. I just seem to have a lot more energy. Sleep and mood are okay. Performance is great. Should I keep upping my calories? I'm shocked that I've hit 1750 with no weight gain. Before the summer, I imagined I was averaging 1400 calories a day. This is just an estimate as I was not tracking. I would say I am eating at least 80 grams more carbs. So how is someone as small as I am able to eat this much weight without gaining a single pound? So... Two questions within this. Number one, you asked, should I keep upping my calories? Uh, what I would say to that is, if you are able to, why not? If you could eat more, it's not going to kill you. If anything, it'll probably you'll you'll probably enjoy it. <laughs> and it, it's if the more you can eat while training as hard as you are, the more likely you are to build strength and muscle. So if you can cont- consistently up your calories while not gaining too rapidly, I think you should. Um, I did a podcast. Oh, actually, it hasn't aired yet. I just recorded a podcast on female muscle growth, which will air on Monday. So stay tuned for that. But I talk about rate of gain within that for for women. And it's not that much. I mean, for advanced uh, lifters, it's going to be about 0.5% of total body weight per month. For uh, beginners, that could be all the way up from like one to 1.5% of body weight per month. So you shouldn't be gaining more than that though. So let's say you are, you you mentioned you're about 110 pounds, right? Yeah, so 108, but let's say 110. um, And let's just say 1% of that is about one, 1.1. That means one pound a month. So if you're gaining one pound a month, that's not a bad thing. If you're doing with training, high training volume, and you you can see that you're still staying lean, it means you're building muscle and there's nothing wrong with that. So I would probably bump your calories up until you get to a point where you are gaining maybe half a pound to a pound per month, which is a quarter pound a week at most. Very, very slow pace, but as a natural female lifter, any more than that means you're accumulating body fat, which obviously isn't your goal. But I do think there is merit to building some muscle in the process very slowly because your performance is going to go up, your health is going to go up, your strength is going to go up. There's, there's, all good benefits. You're going to look better. You're going to feel denser um, to the touch. There's always, there's just only positive benefits of building muscle as a woman. So I, I would probably go that route. Now, when you ask the second question, so how is someone as small as I am able to eat this much without gaining a single pound? The, the real answer is adaptive thermogenesis. And a lot of people look at adaptive thermogenesis as metabolic adaptation, right? As we diet, our metabolism slows down. And more importantly, thermodynamics kind of takes place in, uh, adaptive thermogenesis is usually talked about as the process of your body slowing down uh, processes as you diet. So the less calories you take in, the less calories you burn essentially. This doesn't happen from your metabolism necessarily slowing down like most people think. Most of it actually happens from meat and they actually have a lot of, if you haven't read The Hungry Brain, it's a really good book talking about how uh, when people overeat there are two types of people. There are some genetic outliers who seem to be able to overeat or eat whatever they want and they can just burn calories and they never, um, they never really have an issue, right? Well, these individuals don't typically um, have any issues with weight gain. Um, they don't have any issues with reverse dieting either because they have this adaptive thermogenesis going on. So they're not – I mean they kind of are genetic freaks because there are some uh, genes – that allow us to have this happen easier. But essentially what's happening, um, I'm, I'm kinda rambling around the point now, essentially what's happening is when these individuals overeat, meat goes up. They blink more, they talk more, they um, fidget more, they walk more, they stand more than they sit. All their day-to-day actions tend to increase and speed up and therefore, um, energy expenditure goes up. Then there's also the fact that they're eating more, so they're digesting more, which means thermic effect of food goes up. Long story short, these individuals have a really good adaptive thermogenesis in the opposite effect as most people think. Usually when we diet, we have adaptive thermogenesis in the negative route. We eat less, therefore, meat in our daily actions tend to produce less or output less. Our energy expenditure day to day essentially goes down. Some individuals eat more. This is you because, as you can tell, you haven't gained a single pound. You're eating more. Your energy expenditure goes up. You're probably not even realizing it, but you're probably getting more steps per day. You're probably standing a little bit more. You're definitely not noticing this, but you're probably fidgeting and talking more and even moving more throughout the day. Um, all the little day-to-day actions that you do on a typical basis subconsciously are increasing, and therefore your, your thermogenesis, your uh, energy expenditure every single day, is increasing. Therefore, you're burning more calories. So you're ingesting more calories, but you're burning more calories. There's actually a really interesting study. If you haven't listened to this episode, go back, listen to it. It just aired on Wednesday. Unbelievable episode with Danny Lennon. We talked about chrononutrition. But one of the things that they talked he talked about was a study where individuals ate more of their calories in the morning versus more calories at night. And what they found is the individuals who had most of their calories in the morning, a bigger breakfast, burned more calories throughout the day. This led to them intuitively eating more, about 400 calories more. However, they didn't gain any more weight. They actually maintained their weight while consuming those extra 400 calories. So these individuals basically maintained weight on an extra 400 calories because they ate more calories in the morning. They partitioned more of their calories earlier in the day and this led to a greater thermic effect throughout the day, a better uh, rate of thermogenesis essentially, adaptive thermogenesis. And this is that process of adapting in the positive. They ate more calories in the morning, they walked, moved, fidgeted, their knee increased throughout the day, therefore they burned more calories and they actually earned more food. So they maintained on a higher weight. But let's say they were tracking more accurately and not trying to, uh, and they were trying to lose weight in the study. What they could have done is ate those calories in the morning, had this increase, this positive adaptive thermogenesis, and just not taken in any more calories. Therefore, they would have been in a deficit while eating the same amount of calories as the other group who was at maintenance, eating the same amount of calories. However, their calories were por- partitioned more towards the later part of the day, which goes against the grain for most people. But really, really fascinating study. Really cool uh, interview with Danny. Uh, but nonetheless, the point here is is the reason you are able to eat this much and not gain a single pound during your verse is really just a positive balance of adaptive thermogenesis. Emma Beccarra, Bec- Emma Beccarra underscore. I have been slowly catching up on all the episodes. Old podcast episodes as I listen to the new ones within hours of them coming out, and a few times I've heard you say that one gram of protein per pound of body weight may not apply to smaller females. I'm currently in the middle of a reverse diet. We get a lot of people listening to this who are reverse dieting. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, and shout out to all you guys because I'm glad you're doing things properly. Um, I am currently in the middle of a reverse diet, eating around 1,500 calories, and I'm going to bump up more soon. I am 5'3", and weigh about 110 pounds. I have my current protein goal set at 115 grams per day. Is this too low? Would I benefit from, more, from a higher protein, lower carb split? Most of my carbs are coming from vegetables and fruits. Uh, in one serving of oatmeal a day, but I also really enjoy eating protein. Current macros: 115, 170 carb, 40 fat. Is this too little protein? Thank you so much for the valuable uh, content. So uh, first of all, Emma, thank you so much for listening to the podcast right away when they come out. I truly do appreciate that. If you have not yet, for you and all the listeners, leave me a five-star rating review if you guys love this show. It really, really makes my day, and it helps me grow this podcast, and that is the goal, to reach more people, help more people, and affect more lives, and you can help me do that. Now, uh, your question First and foremost, if you're getting 170 grams of carbs, almost all from fruits and vegetables, I would probably encourage you to get more starch. I find that I, I don't have any research to say indefinitely that starches uh, like potatoes, oats, rice, so on and so forth – have a better quote-unquote metabolic effect, but I do see people progress better uh, when we're trying to work the metabolism, see fat loss, build muscle, go through a reverse diet, so on and so forth, when we add a little bit more starch in it. And 170 grams of carbs from all fruits and vegetables is quite a bit. Um, I would say two to three servings of fruit is all you need, and I would say three to five servings of green veggies per day is all you need. And and colors can be in there too, peppers and so on and so forth. The rest should be starch. So um, I would first and foremost add a little bit more starch in your day without even touching anything else Um, second i would probably increase fats before i did anything else Um, 110 pounds i would probably go half your body weight so i would probably be working towards about 50. Uh, you could get away with between 45 to 50 grams of fat. Um, I think you'd be totally fine. I just find that anything below forty grams, even, and this is where like the lighter of a female you are, the trickier calculations get because sometimes they don't apply. For example, if we technically do your calculations like I would a normal individual, um, I could say you know like you'd be fine with thirty-eight grams of fat. But I I have issues allowing people to consume that little fat on a maintenance diet. I would probably work your fats up a little bit higher um, and go to like. 0.5 grams per pound, which for you is going to be 55, but anywhere between 50 and 55 is golden. I I've, I actually feel good between 50 and 55, um, but f- with women, I tend to find that you typically have a higher percentage of your uh, diet being fats um, in most cases. So um, anyway, I would probably work your fats up to 45 to 50 grams. I would spend more of your carbs on starches, and I would build up your protein a little bit without touching your carbs, Because and the reason I say that is because you said would I benefit from a higher protein, lower carb split? I think you would benefit from a little bit more protein, but I don't think you need to lower carbs in order to do that. Um, Protein isn't going to store as body fat at that low uh, intake. Um, Not that you have a low intake because you're eating enough protein, but could you benefit from more? Probably. Um, Mainly because if you split your protein evenly across four to five meals a day, it's barely hitting the leucine threshold to maximize protein synthesis. So for somebody your size, you're probably going to want to increase to about 1.2 grams per pound of total weight in order to hit that threshold and be more satiated and just have more calories in general. But I would probably honestly take your protein right now, bump it up to 1.2 grams per pound. I would leave carbs at 170 and I would bump fats up to 40 to 50. Um, So essentially what you're looking at now is you are 110, so about 132, I would probably go anywhere between 135 and 140 grams of protein per day, 170 carb, 45 to 50 grams of fat. That would be my next adjustment for you. And then after that, I would start working carbs up again um, as far as you can during the reverse. Um, and just to, just to add a little bit, is this too little protein? Not at all. 150 grams is plenty. 115 grams for 110 pound female is enough protein. Do I think you could benefit from a little bit more? Absolutely. Um, Will it harm you? Not at all. Is it kind of like a safety insurance policy? 100%. Um, Because if you're getting that many veggies especially, you could be getting quite a bit of protein from broccoli, brussels, oats, things like that, and we could be getting more protein from whey, dairy, meat, fish, eggs, so on and so forth. It's a little bit more bioavailable. All right, Jillian Byron. I think this one is an email send in, which remember guys, there is a form in the podcast show notes that you can click and send me a question. I have been listening to your podcast and have asked you some questions through Instagram. First, I think it is so cool and awesome how you always respond. I know that is a lot, but it is very much appreciated. So thank you. Thank you, Jillian. And I will absolutely always respond. I think it's crazy when people reach out and I respond and they're like, damn, I'm surprised you answered the question. It's like, I owe all this to you guys. Like You guys help me do what I love to do. Um, So my goal is to constantly give, 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 Um, and it it baffles me when people don't respond to DMs um, or emails, even if it takes you a while. No matter what, I'm going to get back to it. So anyway, I know that is a lot, Uh, You already read that, okay, so my details are I'm 5'9", 130 to 135 pounds, don't have much access to a scale. 266 grams of carbs, 62 fat, 123 protein. First and foremost, make that 265, 60, 125. There's no need to do those little numbers. Workout four to five days, upper, lower, two times with full body on the fifth day. So upper, lower, upper, lower, full body is your split five days a week. Job, preschool teacher, so on my feet a good bit. Goal is to stay in maintenance, keep my physique or get more muscle. Overall, be healthy. Love to work out. Now to the question. I reversed with a coach over the summer but had to stop due to the cost. I got to this maintenance and was super pleased. Even lost fat throughout the process and have the most muscle definition I've ever had in my life. Good job. But family members are telling me I look too lean and are nervous it will affect me having kids later on. I know it's hard without seeing me or knowing what my body fat percentage is, but I don't know what to do next. I haven't seen a doctor and it caused me to overeat and then make up – with undereating on other days, robbing Peter to pay Paul thing. It has worked, but I feel stuck and would love your advice on the situation. Thank you so much in advance. So I think that you have, this is really, you're 100% right. It's very, very hard for me to answer because you're 130 to 135 pounds. You're eating 266 grams of carbs, 62 grams of fat, 123 protein. I do not think you're undereating honestly, I don't, that does not sound like you're under eating whatsoever. Um, you're five, nine at 130 to 135 pounds. So you're definitely lean, um, because you're, you're not super short, um, and you are fairly light. So for your height, so you probably are really lean. However, you're not s- severely under eating. The thing we have to remember here, and again, you're going to want to listen to the, uh, female muscle growth podcast that airs next week on Monday, but we have to remember that hormones, especially reproductive hormones and female hormones, don't just get regulated from fat as an intake, meaning what we consume in our diet as fat, the macro, um, helps regulate hormones. Yes. It's not just that, though. It's the body fat on our body. And this applies to men, too. But the point is, is if we are consuming enough fat, we will have a certain amount of hormone produced, but that will not sufficiently uh, or bypass or cure the fact that we're too lean. This is why individuals who get done with a physique competition get really, really lean and are seeing some hormonal adaptations. It's just part of getting that lean. Testosterone drops, cortisol increases, um, some female reproductive hormones go out of whack, estrogen, progesterone, stuff like that. When we get to that point, it's not just because we dieted on low calories or we ended that low calories. It's also because we're at so lean and there's many individuals who will reverse diet so good after the show that they stay lean while increasing calories. They'll get their calories up super high and they still feel like shit. These individuals still feel like shit on high calories because their body is too lean. They need body fat. So they need to make an aggressive jump up or a aggressive reduction in uh, cardio or energy expenditure so that they accumulate a little bit of body fat to actually get healthy, which I know visually and aesthetically isn't always what we want uh, personally. But to the point, I think that you need to be honest with your situation and your environment. Uh, with your environment in the sense that you have to look at the individuals who are telling you this and honestly ask yourself if they're doing it because it, it's just they care and they truly believe this or because they are not in the same world as you. Um, and I say that just because there's always the individuals, like for example, I, I can't tell you how many times my grandma has told me I'm too lean and I need to eat more, but she's my grandma. She she cooks a 100 pies for her church. <laughs> like She is the definition of comfort food. Um, she's always going to tell me that, especially because I was a fat kid growing up. So I cannot be too lean, quote unquote, but to her I am. Um, so it really, really depends who you're talking to. Um, if you go around your gym community and they can be honest with you and they said, no, you're totally fine, Jillian, then I wouldn't worry about it. Now, however, if you talk to your gym community or you reach out to somebody or you even reach out to me, like send me an email, let me see what you actually look like and let me know like, hey, be honest with me, what do you think? Um, then we can have a conversation of, Yes, you're too lean or not. The other side of this is you have to be honest with yourself. What's your biofeedback like? Uh, are, are you missing your menstrual cycle? That's the number one key indicator if you are in a bad position uh, hormonally or if you have too little body fat or you're too lean or dieting on too low of calories. Uh, number two, is your sleep bad? Is your stress too high? Are you handling your stress well? Um, could you lose more body fat if you wanted to? Are you stuck at a plateau? Are you progressing in the gym? Like honestly assess all your biofeedback, your motivation, your uh, your how irritable you are. Look at all these things and if you are not in a very healthy place, then I would say you probably are a little bit too lean and you need to work on uh, getting a little bit of body fat because if the goal is to have kids one day and you need to be healthy for that, it's gonna come down to your biofeedback and how your hormones are. Like, yes, you can go get your blood work done. Um, It's obviously, it's a pricey thing to do, but that can give you exact numbers and tell you exactly what's going on. But the biggest key indicators are your menstrual cycle and your biofeedback. Are they in a healthy place? If they are not, these people are probably right. You might be too lean. If they are totally fine, you're probably okay in these, it might be um, the wrong environment to ask this question of and you might need to ask somebody else. So I hope that helps. There's not much else I can do without really talking to you in person or seeing you. Um, the other thing that you mentioned, the whole robbing Peter pay, pay Paul thing, I find that this works really well for people who are flexible with their diet in a healthy position. So for example, for me, it works really well. Uh, Saturdays, I usually fast in the morning. Uh, I'll eat like a light lunch, which will be like, just protein shakes and some fruit, then I'll work out and then I have another protein shake and then I usually fast until dinner. So at this point, I've consumed maybe 500 calories and it's really easy for me to do that and then not binge and just enjoy a big meal with my wife and some wine Um, and then maybe have a little dessert, but I don't go over calories much and then Sunday, I'm just back to normal. Now, if you get to a point where – and this is just robbing Peter to pay Paul within a single day. Um, I've also done it on Thanksgiving. I dropped fat calories down a little bit the day before and a little bit the day after. But it doesn't trigger an emotional response to binge. If you find yourself doing this robbing Peter to pay Paul thing and it's causing you or triggering you to – eat more than you plan or binge or have emotional eating, that's when you need to stop doing it and you just need to kind of chalk it up as a shitty day with macros. So you might go over and normally you would say, I'm gonna rob Peter to pay Paul, but you know that under eating severely after a binge is going to lead to a new binge in the next couple days, you just have to say, well, shit, that was a bad day for the diet, chalk it up, no big deal, it's a new day, I'm just not going to weigh myself today, I'm going to get right back to my normal macros and just consistently proceed. Because the more days you undereat, the more triggered you will be to overeat in the near future. Um, So if it becomes this vicious cycle, you want to stop doing it completely and robbing Peter to pay Paul, quote unquote, just isn't a strategy for you. Robbing Peter to pay Paul is a great strategy for flexible dieting if you have an already healthy emotional relationship with food. India Benjamin. Actually, I don't know if my Q&A would be good for a future podcast or a blog. I have EDS and all of my joints are extremely hypermobile. So my balance and stability are terrible and they pop out of place a lot. Building muscle is crucial for long term as the muscles can support the joints while where tendons and ligaments cannot. However, because of the joint issues, it's hard for me to lift heavy and it also uh, – and also lots of volume volume can lead to intense joint pain and too heavy my joints come out of place i've been lifting for a few years now and i am at a loss on how to progress the condition affects collagen so all my body is affected and i deaths build muscle slower anyway i definitely build muscle slower anyway in additional to the joint issues do you have any advice on building muscle with this kind of obstacle so if it's affecting your collagen and it's a matter of uh you have a low collagen production obviously the the obvious thing consume more collagen um, consume a higher protein diet consume more animal proteins like meat um, steak things like that because they contain more collagen in it and you're going to try to do that bone broth things like that the more collagen in foods that are going to help um, create collagen in your body um, is going to be helpful. Vitamin C every day, things like that. Um, the other thing I would say is is I'm not an expert in this, but I have worked with a few clients in person back in the day with this. And the big thing that we focused on is, is not locking out a lot of the movements, especially on the hypermobile joints. So if you have very hypermobile elbows, for example, I might not want to lock out a bench press or an overhead press or anything like that because when I get into a fully locked out position as a hypermobile individual, I'm going into a hyperextension and now I do not have joint stability um, and I do not have joint centration where we have like stacked joints, right? No stability, no strength. For me, I don't – I'm the complete opposite of hypermobile. I'm not that flexible. (laughs) If I lock out a bench press, I'm in my most stable position. I can hold it up there for a long ass time. But a hypermobile person is pushing themselves past stability and into instability and actually is putting themselves in a very... Uh, weak position in a very dangerous position for their joints. So for you, I'm going to stop before lockout on presses. I'm going to stop before lockout on squats. Um, so you, a lot of your your movements are going to be more tension based. You're going to be focusing more on getting a pump, um, more blood flow, oxygen to, to the muscles, less locking out the joints, um, less heavier movements. So I might have you do high rep squats versus low rep squats because it's going to be safer on your joints. Um, that's the best advice I can give you: is is increase more collagen, have a higher protein diet, and really just focus on less locking out of the joint so you're, you're more focused on partial range of motion movements believe it or not and really just prioritizing tension inside the muscle. If you can accumulate a lot of lactic acid and metabolites from doing high rep metabolic style work so uh, 15, 20, 25 reps like high rep stuff, high tension stuff, I think you're going to be better off in the long run. I think you're probably going to notice uh, less joint pain after lifting. Do not know how to pronounce this. Jiska Tabat. It's J-S-K-A-T-B-O-T. Tips for a 20-year-old female athlete that has been training for about three years and that is wanting to participate in their first-figure competition this coming May. Ooh. um, Okay. First and foremost, read uh, Caroline's blog. I'm going to link that um, in the show notes. And also read the one that's coming out next week. We're going to publish another one next week, and that one is going to be um, right up your alley. It's literally called basically like Your Guide to Competing. Uh, basically, whether... it Kind of teaching you like, should you compete? <laughs> and it's going to teach you like all the things Caroline wish she would have known and done differently. Um, and she did really well. Um, she actually has a, the opportunity to go chase her pro card, so she's kind of bouncing back and forth whether she wants to compete again or not. Uh, but nonetheless... Um, It's hard for me to say. I would say first and foremost, do it for the right reason. Um, You're young. Uh, Make sure you know what you're getting into. Uh, Physique competitions can be a big mental battle. So if you have any prior negative association or uh, relationship with food, dieting, training, cardio, anything like that, I probably wouldn't suggest it because, I mean, it's it's competitive starvation, um, I believe. Somebody, I was listening. I think it was one of the three DMJ guys. That's basically what it is, right? Um, In in a sense, it is. You're dieting to extreme levels to get as lean as possible. You will feel run down and fatigued and. and just not well um, and it's, it can be hard so make sure you're doing it for the right reason. Make sure you love the sport of bodybuilding if that's what you're doing it for. Um, if you just want to see how lean you can get and you could care less about competing or the sport or um, if it's not going to benefit your career and stuff, I would maybe consider doing a photo shoot so you don't have to get as lean. Um, but again, like if you love the sport of bodybuilding, do it. Like, that's why I did it. I, I love bodybuilding as a sport and if, if I were to ever do it again, it'd be because of that as well. But I also have a pretty positive relationship with food in my body so it's easier for me to say that um, which didn't come easy. It, it definitely – it screwed with me the first time I did it and I had to learn how to have a better relationship with food in my body. Um, so that's the biggest tip. Honestly, um, I would take your time. Uh, don't do a sh- short, quick prep. Um, stay natural and, and just do things the right way and just make sure your head's in a good place before you do it um, if you're going to do it. And, and get get a good coach. Get the right coach and get a coach that's gonna work with you after the competition is done. Not one that's gonna, you know, you buy a 12-week prep and it stops at 12 weeks and then you get done with the show and you don't know what to do. Um, or there's no personal interaction or connection between you and the coach because I think it's, it's a type of thing where you do need a little bit deeper coaching because It is going to be a mental grind. Carmen Spitzer, training when recovering from adrenal fatigue, strength training only or also HIIT slash cardio? Training when recovering from adrenal fatigue is, uh, so HBA axis dysfunction if we want to just be technical for the doctors listening. I think strength training is fine. I prefer a, a type of like functional bodybuilding, so um, four days a week, maybe five, um, low intensity. So low intensity in the sense of like we're not doing hit. so uh, you asked also hit? no, not at all. Cardio for you is only going to be walking. It's going to be basically your neat or just like slow sl- sled pulls or like a slow ride on the bike or rower. like very low uh, sustained effort probably for like 20 to 30 minutes for cardio days and then on your actual training days we're not doing any high intensity stuff Um, we're focusing on tempo control lifting muscular tension bodybuilding um, and functional movement patterns so getting better at the the skill acquisition of lifting so actually understanding how your body works and and really working through ranges of motion while adding tempos and pauses and things like that I, I think it's really just about bodybuilding honestly like slowing down a little bit and getting away from crossfit getting away from high intensity modalities getting away from intervals and amraps and um anything that's going to push the intensity above and beyond which there's nothing wrong with like there's a place for intensity but if you experience any type of adrenal fatigue or um excess cortisol production at all i think it's probably time that you slow things down a bit Um, so strength training is totally fine it just needs to be controlled And uh, for cardio, I'd probably be going low to moderate intensity and not too much of it. The biggest thing for you is just making sure you're getting enough food and make sure you're getting enough sleep. um, And then just lowering the overall intensity, honestly. And Carmen had a second question. She said, reasons for indigestion and ways to fix it. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons, uh, so eating too much, so overeating food, um, certain types of foods too, like sometimes highly palatable foods for people can be an issue, so high carb, high fat, so sugary, carb, carby, fatty foods like junk food, um, greasy food, fatty food, spicy foods, um, foods that tend to be a little bit harder to digest in general. Um, some people, there's like different random things that affect them. I know some people have issues with carbonated drinks like sodas. Um, some people have issues with caffeine. Um, I know that, I I believe stress and anxiety can cause some issues with indigestion as well. Um, I don't know if that is as, as researched. Um, but I mean, in general, we know that stress and anxiety can cause issues with the gut in general and digestion. So it makes sense. Um, certain supplements, uh, and things like that can cause issues if somebody has a negative response to it. Um, and the main thing here is like realistically, if you're getting indigestion, it comes down to a few things. Number one, um, eat smaller meals. So for people who have bad indigestion or just bad digestion in general, it might be a uh, – because a, a, indigestion is essentially just discomfort and, and stress on the gut while digesting. So it's, it's basically a uh, – I mean, you can have gas, burping, uh, heartburn, bloating, uh, sickness, nausea, stuff like that. Um, but in general, we're just trying to relieve stress on the gut, stress on the digestive tract. if we're talking about fixing this. So if, if it's just because you're eating too big meals, say you're eating two or three meals a day and they're just really high calorie meals, you might want to split that up and eat four, five, six meals a day. Smaller meals might do better for you. Um, if it's because it's too highly palatable, you might want to cut back on some of the junk food and the flexible dieting and go with a little bit more of a cleaner approach. Um, if it if you notice it from combining too many carbs and fats in the same meal, maybe you separate your macros a little bit more and have like carb and protein-based meals and fat and protein-based meals. Um, if you notice it only from a certain ingredient, it's just an elimination protocol. It's about taking out that ingredient. So there's a lot of ways to fix it. Um, I mean even probiotics in some scenarios can help this. Um, it, probiotics are much more – Niche than people realize, uh, but digestive enzymes can help too. Apple cider vinegar can help as well. So, there's a lot of ways to fix it. Um, We just have to determine what's really causing it essentially. All right. Emily Wayford, currently bulking, first time ever after always chasing fat loss. Well done. Maintenance calories around 2,150 and currently eating at 2,400. I've been bulking for about six weeks and I've been slowly gaining on track. 0.5 0.5 pounds a week for about four weeks however the last two weeks I've been losing again does metabolic adaptation work in the reverse as well as the deficit should I increase my calories or weight it out could this be because of new muscle growth this is resulting in a higher metabolic rate so I guess that's three questions <laughs> thank you Cody um, yeah so number one listen for the podcast on Monday because there's a few of you who asked questions this week that are going to really have a lot of application inside that one number two I actually think 0.5 pounds per week is a little bit too fast. Um, unless you're brand, brand new to lifting, but that's two pounds a month. Um, two pounds a month for a male who has higher testosterone and growth hormone levels, and it's probably lifting more. It, it's good. So the fact that you're doing two pounds a month is probably a little bit too fast. Um, so I would probably be okay with losing a little bit and, and letting that rate of gain slow down. Um, so I would keep yourself where you're at. Um, I would just wait it out. Um, see where you're at after a couple months. If you're gaining, Zero point five to one pound per month. I think that's better. Anywhere between zero point five to one point five pounds per month for a natural female is going to be the range. One point five pounds a month is really good. And more specifically, you could you could aim for a percentage of body weight. So 0.5 to 1% of total body weight per month for somebody who is like intermediate or advanced is really good. So I would be okay with it slowing down a little bit. You asked, does metabolic adaptation work in the reverse as well as the deficit? Yes, it does. I've already touched on this today. Um, Basically... Metabolic adaptation is an, it's adaptive thermogenesis. So I think metabolic adaptation is a term that is gonna slowly kinda actually fade away. Um, and adaptive thermogenesis is gonna become more popular because the more and more we study this, the more and more we realize it's just like a toggle and your body kinda works like a thermostat. And in most people, as we lower calories, our body naturally outputs less. So while you're reversing and you're increasing, it's less likely that it's muscle mass because I know you asked that too. It's more likely that you're neat. Um, Your thermic effect of food and your overall energy expenditure in the gym is probably increasing because you're taking more energy in. So your body is just working at a higher rate across the day in everything you do and you're burning more calories day to day generally. Um, When you said could this be because of new muscle growth, probably not. The honest truth is that muscle tissue does burn more calories than fat tissue, so the more muscle you have on your body, the higher your metabolism will be, but it's very small. It's not noticeable, so you could gain a lot of muscle and you might be eating a couple hundred calories more uh, if that, and that's if you put on a lot of size so it, it's really not as much as you would think so it's probably not that especially because it's only been six weeks um, it's not going to happen that quick a muscle doesn't build that quick so most likely what's happening is uh, you have adaptive thermogenesis your body is outputting more as you increase calories um, I wouldn't increase calories yet I would keep your body weight gain at 0.5 to 1% of body weight gained per month um, and keep it slow it's going to be better that way to stay lean while gaining and then you know it's pure muscle and you don't have to go this zigzag approach of gaining and cutting gaining and cutting jacqueline flint i have to go on a six week long field session with my school over the summer mostly lots of camping because i am a geology major and we have to be have to map out the rockies that is fucking cool uh Really, really cool. Um, Jordan Belford actually did a lot of that stuff, I believe. Um, no, no, it wasn't Jordan Belford. Who was the podcast? I was listening to a podcast. The, the guy who created Netflix, um, drama, short story long, one of my favorite podcasts. He did an episode with the guy who created Netflix, um, and he was a geology major, I believe. Um, and he traveled all the time for school and went in the mountains and stuff like that. Really, really cool. Um, and I won't have access to a gym. So she said she's going to be traveling over a lot of the summer and I won't have access to a gym during that time. What can I do to maintain my muscle and stay fit and healthy? Honestly, you could literally do like three – I mean you could do this daily. But you could pick a few days a week, three days a week um, and do a bunch of sets of – like bring a band with you bring a couple bands bring a longer uh, band for like band pull parts and rows and curls and tricep extensions um, and then bring a mini band for like hip abductions and walking laterals and, and bridges and stuff like that um, and you could literally do push-ups band pull aparts and rows and squats and hip thrusts and abductions you hit your quads you hit your glutes um, in multiple ways um, you hit your upper back you hit your lats you can hit your biceps your triceps your delts, you can hit everything and just do the bare minimum. Like you're going to do maintenance volume, which is honestly, I don't know exact percentage of your total volume needed to grow, but your maintenance volume compared to like your maximum adaptive or maximum effective or maximum recoverable, if we're going to speak in all these terms, volume is, is really low. So what it takes to maintain muscle is significantly lower than what you would expect and what it takes to build muscle. So I think you'd be totally fine. Um, and then when you come back, you're gonna build muscle really easily because you're back to a gym. So when you're gone, I would just honestly do make sure you're doing some bodyweight training, some band work, and you would be more than more than well off. Um, do at least three days a week, but if you did three, four, or five days a week of just like let's say three sets of ten reps off everything, you did a big circuit: uh, air squats, lunges, glute bridges, abductions, push-ups, band pull parts, band pull downs, throw a band around the tree and do pull downs, um, band curls. Lateral raises, you're golden. You hit everything, it's more than enough volume to maintain. Neil Miller, what is your current supplement slash micronutrients stack? Oh, I like it. Um, I'm going to link all these in the show notes because as you guys know, shout out to the sponsor, Top Nutrition. Top Notch Nutrition is who supplies... Almost all of my supplements right now. I still take some stuff from some other companies, uh, but Top Notch Nutrition kind of took over my pantry to be honest with you. Um, So I'm going to list quite a few from them and they're really, really high quality. I've actually been using them for a lot longer than um, since we've been affiliated inside of this and uh, one of the owners actually runs my program. So we're kind of collaborating, doing some stuff together and they decided to come on board and sponsor the podcast after I had been using their stuff for a solid couple months. So really love those guys. They're just good people, really good people, really intelligent people and they go the extra mile to make sure their shit is quality, which I really appreciate. So um, from them, I am taking omega-3s, which is their fish oil. I'm taking vitamin D. I am taking uh, Relief, which is a inflammation supplement that they make that's like curcumin and some other things that help their curcumin work. But it's essentially just helpful for your joints and inflammation in general. Um, I am taking a, a multivitamin from Legion. Um, I am taking uh, Sleep uh, from top notch nutrition on most nights. And it's like some neurotransmitters. So GABA and stuff like that. And then also melatonin helps you actually get a good, really good sleep. I I really have been enjoying that. Um, I take mind most days. Mind is their nootropic supplement. I like that too. And I think I always tell people it's kind of like the yin and yang. So sleep and mind kind of work together. They both have different things in it. So like sleep has GABA and, uh, Uh, Mind has alpha GPC and some things in it. So we have like different neurotransmitters going on and it's it's very helpful to take multiple things because they both have significant effects on serotonin, dopamine, your mood levels, your uh, motivation, your serotonin, your ability to sleep, stuff like that. So I find that I really do well if I take sleep at night and mind in the morning. Um, I am taking, I take garden of life probiotic when I travel. Um, I am taking whey protein. I, I prefer uh, diamatized whey protein. Um, it's not the highest on Labdor. It's up there. It's closer to the top. So it's good quality product, but diametized ISO 100 and diametized casein, they just taste fucking good. And to me, that's a big, that's important. Um, so I do drink casein and whey protein um, from diametized. What else am I taking? I want to say that's it. I have highly branched cyclic dextrin and creatine monohydrate, both from Muscle Feast, who uses CreaPure, another sponsor of the podcast. CreaPure is the world's best creatine you could possibly get, um, and they supply to Muscle Feast, so I usually use – I don't actually use Muscle Feast anymore. I lied because CreaPure sends me their creatine, but you guys can't buy that, I don't believe. So I do recommend getting Muscle Feast. Because they're supplied by uh, Creepier along with a few other brands. Um, so what do I got here? I got fish oil, vitamin D, relief, which is the inflammation, sleep, which is the sleep one, mind, which is a nootropic, um, greens powder. Um, I do that in the morning. I don't think that's necessarily mandatory because I take my multivitamin, but I do enjoy just like the, the mental note of taking a green drink. It just makes me feel good I'm, <laughs> for lack of better terms. Um, those are all from top notch nutrition. I take legions, uh, multivitamin. I take Berberin from Swanson, uh, with high carb meals, um, act as a glucose disposal agent. Uh, I take diametize whey and casein and I take muscle fees, highly branched secretion and creatine. Oh, and I take top notch nutrition's pre-workout, uh, which is in my opinion, dosed perfectly. Cause I never get the jitters. I never feel like, like, just crazy, uh, stimulated, but I do feel very focused and I get a nasty pump. So I really have been liking that. Um, and I'll cycle probably in and out of that cause I don't like to overdo pre-workouts, but that's my supplement. It's actually more than I realize I take, but, um, yeah, that's where I'm at with those. James cross, the ultimate guide to gym swag. I don't know if that was a blog or podcast recommendation or a question, <laughs> but, um, I'll just go through my head to toe. Um, we'll start with the toes. I prefer the new Nike Metcons. I'm actually about to do a custom ID one with like red or blue and then a gum sole because I love gum sole. But I, I absolutely love the brand new Metcons. They're, they're the first Metcons I've ever had, but I, I really, really like them. I like them better than um, my Nobles. I like them better than my Reeboks. I like them better than anything. I'm a Nike guy. So it, honestly, the gym swag... The ultimate guide to gym swag for me is pretty simple. I'm head to toe Nike, <laughs> Nike shorts, Nike spandex, Nike metcons, Nike high socks, um, and then probably like a Nike dry fit tank top. To be honest with you, I actually really like Alpha Elite stuff too. Um, but I wear a lot of their stuff for like just like. Casual gym wear, so like sweats and, and shirts and stuff like that. I like Alpha Elite, they're they're doing well. Christian Guzman, um, I enjoy his stuff and I, I enjoy the fit and it, it's very nice material, so I do like that. But um, my ultimate guide to gym swag is pretty shitty for you guys. It's it's honestly Nike head to toe with some Apple earbuds in, AirPods in, and I'm good. Jen Sheen, what are your thoughts on a slow release carb like Generation UCAN? Can? I use it occasionally if I'm doing a long endurance workout or on a rare day, I do a long cycling class after my strength training. Would I be better off trying to eat something in between instead? Um... So two things on that. Uh, I looked up generation. You can. I honestly think it's just a marketing thing. I don't think there's any. Even highly branched cyclic dextrin isn't that much greater than using dextrose, for example. For some individuals, it just is. It just has. It does have faster gastric emptying. Um, in some studies, it shows no difference whatsoever. For some individuals uh, who have sensitive guts, it, it does help a little bit. I prefer it. Um, I don't have bad gut health or anything, but I do prefer it. Um, but I think generation, you can, I think it's honestly, I think it's more of a marketing thing. I don't think it's that great, uh, to be completely transparent. When I, when I looked at it, it basically is it's, it's cornstarch. So it's literally just powdered carb. Um, and then they add some fiber and they add some agents in there that are going to slow down the digestion. So they're basically spinning it as this is a ideal fast digesting carb for working out. However, it's going to slowly release into the bloodstream. I don't buy it. I, I personally think it's not worth spending extra money on. I would just get something like Dextrose, Gatorade, Highly branched Cyclic Dextrin, just get a carb source. At the end of the day, your body's gonna have the same absorption rate damn near no matter what, especially if we're trying to change train. So if you consume if you have an hour long endurance workout and you consume sixty grams of carbs throughout that workout, you're golden. The rate of glucose uh, absorption typically for most individuals is about one gram per minute. So if you sip 60 grams of carbs of highly branched dextrose or Gatorade or whatever throughout that 60 minutes, you're going to be fine. Even if it's like you chug down a quarter of it, then 20 minutes later you chug down another quarter, 20 minutes later half of it, like it doesn't matter. As long as you get those carbs and I think you'll be totally fine. Um, Now you say I'm doing a long endurance workout Or on a rare day, I do a long cycle class, cycling class after my strength training. What I would do in that scenario is I would probably sip on the carbs towards the tail end of the strength training workout and into the beginning of the cycling. Um, That way, you're basically kind of transitioning from one to the next. And I would have protein in there too. So either hydrolyzed whey protein, so it's really easy to digest. Or if you don't like that, just do some essential amino acids. But yeah, I think Generation You Can is more of marketing hype. I don't think you need that type. It's just literally they added a couple grams of fiber to "quote unquote" sustain the energy. Paul Levitin, it's a long one. Can you reverse diet slash? Can someone reverse diet slash lean bulk if they aren't strength training sufficiently? If yes, then what is the minimal stimulus needed to make gaining beneficial? context. So you understand what I mean. I train an older gentleman two times per week. We've been training for a while and he's lost over 80 pounds, mostly through caloric deficit, uh, calorie deficit, increased activity in the gym, and also he walks on the treadmill. We've about reached his goal weight and I want to start upping his calories so that he can be at a more manageable maintenance as opposed to the aggressive deficit he used to lose the weight. But we only strength train two times per week for an hour and not very intensely because of his age and limitations. Is it possible for him to go into a surplus and not put on fat slash put on muscle or is there enough of a muscle building stimulus? I would probably say, yeah, he probably needs more volume, but it's hard to say because I don't know his history. Two things will happen. One, I would test it. When you start increasing, he might literally, and this sounds crazy, but he might just walk faster on that treadmill when he does his cardio, and he burns more calories to do that. So he may not gain weight. He may be able to bring that up. But also remember, too, if he's in a deficit and he's actively losing, you need to bump up his calories just to maintain anyway, so his goal has changed. So because his goal is no longer to lose weight, you're safe to bump up calories no matter what because we know that regardless... He's going to maintain weight now. He's not going to be consistently losing weight, and that's the goal. But generally, I think that like what you'll probably notice is that you can add a little bit of volume in your two days a week with him. You can maybe add a metabolic finisher at the end. He's probably going to just work harder. Neat's going to go up, and he might just burn a little bit extra calories. So I think you'd be safe increasing calories in a reverse diet a little bit. The lean bulking part is going to be hard. Um, you said I train an older gentleman what does that mean um are you you know what i mean like that that can throw out the context too like a lean bulk for somebody who is elderly is is possible or i shouldn't even say elderly some l- older gentleman anybody even not even old like i feel guilty saying numbers here but anybody who's 40 50 60 it really doesn't matter like in those areas you shouldn't be going into a big surplus anyway even in 30s you got to slow it down 20s you can get away with bulking quote unquote Um, once you get late 20s early 30s or just being an experienced lifter you have to like really lower that amount of the surplus you go into because you're going to gain at such a slow rate so what I would do man is I would bump him up to what you think his maintenance is right out the gate um, see what his weight does if he maintains because his adaptive thermogenesis kind of kicks in and or you're just actually at maintenance perfect maybe go into a slight surplus but I do think if anybody wants to build muscle I honestly don't think two times a week is enough of a muscle building stimulus. I just don't think it's enough volume. I don't think it's enough of a uh, uh, frequent enough of a stimulus. He would need to do something to be triggering that anabolic response to his muscles throughout the week more regularly. Um, so I probably would say he either needs to get in the gym with you more, or he needs to do something at home, something to again, like you said, have that muscle building stimulus a little bit more frequently. Um, otherwise I just don't think it's, I don't, I honestly don't think it's possible to build that much more muscle, especially because given his circumstance, um, and because he's already dieted. So coming out of that and he's already doing, he's been doing the amount of volume he's doing for that long. I, and yeah, I just, I, I just, there's no other way to spin it. I think, honestly, I just think you would have to up to at least three or four times a week, uh, maybe replace some of the cardio days with lifting, um, That would be my best bet. Um, You said, can someone reverse diet slash lean bulk if they aren't strength training sufficiently? I would say, can you reverse diet? Absolutely. Can you lean bulk? No. Gaining pure muscle, you need a muscle growth stimulus in order to create a stress that your body is requiring you to adapt from. And what that means is we can talk about nutrition and sleep and all these things that help us recover better and build more muscle. But if we're not creating the stimulus or the stress enough in the first place, There's no, we're not in a position to adapt, right? And adaptation is muscle growth. So I do think he needs a little bit more. Last question. James Ward, best course, program, or mentor you can recommend for Gen Pop's mindset slash lifestyle coaching? Everything seems geared towards business owners or entrepreneurs I'm finding. I think it depends. Right now, there's a lot of things out there for just men. Like, for example, Wake Up Warriors, like strictly men. I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't know of any female ones. I I have uh, a couple mentor clients that I can connect you to that kind of do this um, that are women. And I, I typically, I, I really want to see somebody come out that is like a just a powerful woman who is coaching individuals on life and just to be better. Um, I don't know of many. I think it's I think it's really really needed. And there's all these like male entrepreneur this and dad program this and, and alpha male coaching and this. And I just don't see as much of it with the women. And, and unfortunately, I think there should be. Um, and I think the men's stuff is great too. I think it should be in both sexes is kind of what I'm getting at. Um, but I don't know. I honestly don't have an answer for you. Best course or program? I have no idea. Mentor? I think honestly. I don't know of any that aren't geared towards entrepreneurs or business owners, um, but I mean, shit, my mentor, uh, shout out to Andreas. Fuck, we still gotta get this guy on the podcast. We've been going back and forth. Um, he's not, uh, you know, he's not a, I mean, he's very much a my, mindset lifestyle coach. He is an entrepreneur, he owns multiple businesses, um, and he helps me in that realm. But m- majority of our coaching is, is lifestyle, it's relationships, it's what I want to build my family. How I want to be as a as a man and as a provider, um, and as an individual in my my space, my realm, um, as a go giver. Uh, my thought processes, my mindset, like all those things, family, everything like that. So um, now he is also an entrepreneur and, and a business owner, so he does help me in that realm as well. But it's more so along the lines of mindset and lifestyle. So they're they're out there for sure, man. And uh, it's it's hard, but I think I think most of the time you have to, in my opinion. I think you have to seek within the entrepreneur world to find that, um, and then you'll find somebody that clicks with you, and I think you just need to hire them, because even if you are gen pop and you don't own a business, do you want to make more money? Yes. Do you want to be successful? Yes. Do you want to be happy? Yes. Do you want to be fulfilled? Yes. Do you want a great family? Yes. Do you want an unbelievable relationship? Yes. Do you want to be fit? Yes. Okay. So y- there's no difference between you and me. The only difference is I own a business, and that puts a title on my name as a quote-unquote entrepreneur. But we, we all want the same thing. So I think even if you found somebody who is a quote-unquote entrepreneur coach or whatever it would be. I don't even know what they're called. I think they'd be able to help you too if you find the right one that you can connect with and that uh, you relate to. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomperformance.com sign up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy.